one thing that I struggle with is that, you know, how do you keep the balance of, you know, wanting things, wanting to create this, you know, abundance lifestyle or a great business, but also be, you know, emotionally aligned with yourself, keeping your core values when you're trying to fight, you know, the big big dogs, right? How do you how do you manage all that together? And and that's something that I'm working with every single day. Uh, but I'm curious, like, how do you do it? Um, my first rule is never betray your values, no matter what. So if you, you got to be so solid with your values, because that's your foundation. That's how everything comes into your life, right? So if I'm going outside of my values and going, I know I can create more money. I do. Absolutely. But I know that that's not going to be the answer. I know that that's not going to make me happier. I know that if I create more money doing something that I don't like, I'm going to be in the same boat I was when I was modeling and making a lot of money and money was coming to my account and it was coming in every single week, you know, thousands of dollars, but I was lonely. I was burnt out. I was disconnected. And it's great when you got a lot of money, but if you got no, no one to share it with and you're not in alignment with your values, and it's going to be lonely. It's going to be not a pleasant experience. So that is one of the reminders for me. But I think for your listeners, if you're out there, one, understand your values and never, ever betray them. Know that there is so many ways that you can create money. Make sure you do it with something that inspires you. That's something that lights you up. Something you have fun with. And ask yourself, what am I good at? What is it something that interests me? Like, like even though I'm coaching now, Peter, like they're like I'm creating my five-year vision. Like, I don't just want to coach. I love to teach and I love transformation, but I want to do it in different ways. So, like, for example, I'm gonna to start to shoot documentaries. And in my head, I'm like, people go, How do you start shooting a documentary? Well, it's like you find out how documentaries are made. And you take the steps the same way I started. So in my head, I'm like, well, I want to shoot documentaries. And I'm asking myself, well, why do I want to shoot documentaries? I love documentaries, but why do I want to shoot them? And I was like, well, that means I get to experience different things. I get to travel, which is another value of mine. And I also get to teach and show transformation that hasn't been shown in, in a certain way. And so for that to me, that hits a few of the boxes, right? And as long as you keep aligning with the things that hit your boxes, you will make the money. You will create it. Instead of trying to like, oh, I'm looking at that person and they're, they're killing it. It's like, yo, they're killing it. Cool. But that might not be the path that you need to be taking. Yeah. I love that. Uh, one thing that I'm curious about is, you know, uh, to relax without feeling guilty. We started this podcast, you know, with, yeah, I used to chase the goals and all of that. And I know, funny, funny. I started watching uh, for, I don't know, the, the 20th time, Eat, Pray, Love yesterday. <laughs> and, and one of the things is when they're in Italy, they're like, you Americans, the, the only thing you know is how to work and never relax. And they're talking about dolce far niente, the art of doing nothing, right? And how, how do you, like, for people that don't know how to relax without feeling guilty, what do you want to say to them? It's interesting because I'm, I'm pretty good with my balance. Um, and I say, 
balance in the space of your your hustle or your flow like so i know it's crucial for me to go forward i can't keep going at a certain pace like i can't like keep performing at a certain pace i know i'm gonna have to perform at a certain pace and then i can ramp it up and then calm it down again and this is the thing also with meditation and mindfulness is that so many of my clients will be like well i don't have time for meditation oh, i don't want to sit da, 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 da. and i'm like cool well keep on getting the results you're getting because if you don't sit and be with yourself this is when the biggest insights come it's like you're riding a bike and i, I use this analogy you're riding a bike when you're on the meditation and it allows you to rest reflect and connect and when we do that, that gives us more energy to then output more things. Now, I get some of the best ideas when I rest, when I meditate, when I take a step away from my desk, when I step out of my normal zone, right? And when I do that on a consistent basis, this is when I create more versus me working 10 hours a day with no breaks and then going, why am I producing as much as if I was to work 45 minutes, break for five minutes, stand up? I literally got my assistant to order me um, a Swiss ball because I need to make sure I'm moving and shaking my energy. And I also ordered um, a mini trampoline. How cool. <laughs> to, break, to break state and to move. And when I do, don't do that, like, otherwise, if I'm sitting all day, it's like your energy gets stagnant, you get stuck. So for those of, the, those of you that are listening or watching, it is crucial that we rest, that we take a step back and know that that is part of you creating more. Because you can end up creating that success or that goal, but you'll get there and you won't be able to feel it because your health is shot through the roof. You won't be able to experience it because your mind can't be still or can't be present with actually what's happening. And I see it so many times because this is what I coach people on. I love, I love your mindset, Oliver. And I think this is something that we need to approach more in life because, uh, I mean, you're around athletes and, and high performers all the time. I, me too. And I, I see this a lot of times people shy away for, from the best opportunities because mm. of their own fears, yeah. right? Of looking good or uh, fearing, fearing failure. Yeah. How... What do you want to say to those people out there? They're kind of their biggest opponent themselves, just mm. like you were for that week, but you, yeah. you turn it around, which was great. But most people, it gets worse, right? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. why people throw up on the day of the competition. They don't, they don't enjoy the moment. And then their career is over. And even if they accomplish something, they're still not happy because it was just a struggle. Mm. And we don't want to go through life as a struggle, right? Sure. We want to enjoy it. Yeah, so <clears throat> a big inspiration of mine is Will Smith. And he said, like, uh, the best things in life are on the other side of fear. And I can tell by experience now that this is true. And uh, <clears throat> knowing that and also having a good team supporting you, I think, is super important. Because if I wouldn't have had such a great team of coaches and my family and my training partners... I don't know if I would have pulled that off. Uh, maybe I would have 
but ran into a punch and got knocked out because I would have been so, you know, tensed up. I don't know. But uh, as I said, like I went in there with such joy and, uh, and uh, could really enjoy the moment. And I think a lot of that had to do with the support I achieved and also not to forget the mental training because <clears throat> what you say to yourself becomes your reality. If you, you can see it in your, your mind, then you can achieve it in, in reality. So <clears throat> self-talk is super important, not only for big performances, but in everyday life. If you focus on negative stuff like, oh, my, say, my knee hurts, and you, you walk around and, and uh, nag about your knee, you know, okay, you just, you're just uh, telling yourself you, your knee is going to hurt. So for me, my mindset has always been to focus on the positive. Like, what, what knee injury? I don't have any knee injury. I feel fine. And I tell myself I'm strong, I'm healthy, I'm happy every day. And that becomes something my body believes in. Uh, so I think positive self-talk is super important. So you can hype yourself up. Even if you don't believe in it, fake it until you make it. You know, uh, I, I had to tell myself for a long time that, I'm a great fighter. I I know what I'm doing. I'm strong. I have great cardio. Uh, and I just kept telling myself this. And it sounded fake uh, because I, I didn't have the confidence really to, to, to believe in myself. Uh, but I kept telling myself this over and over and over. And, and after a while, it became my new normal. It became a reality. Um, so I think this is something that people really should should use um, your mind is a super strong tool it's free you don't need anyone else to to tell you you're bad uh, you know positive thinking gets you uh, a long way and if you don't believe it keep doing it and eventually your body is gonna adapt and it's gonna become reality yeah, and, and one thing that I love, I'm I'm so happy that you're doing well because you're one of those uh, guys that, you know, I remember when we went to that camp the first time in 2008 and uh, you remind me a lot about myself. I wasn't really that good. I was a little bit weird, uh, funky, and uh, people never thought anything special about me. But and and I, I remember that with you as well. But here we are, like 12 years later, instead of focusing on that, you have been doing the work every day. Yeah. And I mean, it all goes back to the 10,000 hour rule. You don't have to be the cockiest, have the best physique or the most beautiful or have the linguistics or know it all or come from a rich family or whatever yeah. limiting belief you're putting in your head. You just need to do the work. And people that are seeing you now, they're like, oh, super cool. He comes up three straight wins, submissions, uh, knockouts in, in Bellator. But we have to see and go back to this guy who has dedicated his life to doing all those small, small steps. So first off, congrats. Uh, super, super happy to see that. It actually shows that if we look at some of the best performers in the world, it is guys like you, like you're doing your thing every day and it adds up. Mm. Uh, so if you're listening right now and you're like, hey, 
I don't have the talent. I don't have the means. I don't have that. You don't need any of that shit. You only need to, you know, put in 10 years and do something yeah. every day. Yeah. You're going to be pretty good, right? True. Yeah. Persistence is number one and patience. Actually, this, this is the logo of my, of my uh, martial art gym. And you can see there's a little kanji. It's a little sign in there, a uh, Japanese calligraphy. Yeah. It's pronounced nin. N-I-N, NIN, and it means like uh, persistence, perseverance, like uh, steady improvement. And just like you said, like putting in the work like every day, becoming 1% better. Uh, and I think a lot of people don't have the patience for that because in today's society, everything is so fast. We want fast results. We want instant gratification, you know. Um, so just having a long-term goal and like, not uh, rushing things too much. That is key, I think, to become successful, no matter what path you choose. I'm very, very curious how, uh, you know, you, you started mastering NLP, but did that also improve your confidence? Or how, how did you work on your confidence? There's no such thing. There's no such thing as confidence. Okay. Confidence is not a thing like this spray bottle that gets rid of cat odor or this pair of reading glasses. It's not a thing. It's a practice that you do and a process that arises in your neurology from moment to moment. And it's contextually based. You're really good at karate. So you have what I call performance confidence. You've done well in a thousand tournaments. That means 1,001. You have a reasonable, reliable, intelligently informed enthusiasm that you'll do well. The trap that people get into is they want performance confidence or competence before they've done much performing. So we need to redefine what confidence is. And it's not a thing. It is something, it is a process a wave that arises in your neurology, it expands, it contracts, it gets bigger and smaller according to the context, your breathing, your beliefs, and your beliefs are not the same. Everyone says just hold positive beliefs. Well, that depends on where your level of competency is. I don't want to hold the positive belief that I know I can fly that Airbus 380. I know I can fly it. I know I can fly it. I don't want that. We have to balance this confidence with common sense and critical thinking. What's so left out of the area of self-improvement is critical thinking and making good decisions and a good learning strategy. That to me is more important than this mythical thing called confidence. You're referring to performance confidence. I don't think, and so I would rather have what I call learning confidence, which says, I may not do it right the first 10 times, 100 times, but I have a really good system for learning from my mistakes. And to me, this is the one element that every aspect of self-improvement, all the books from that bullshit artist, Napoleon Hill, to Rufus T. Glitter Teeth, Tony Robbins, are leaving out. Everyone says, Peter, have you ever heard this saying, just learn from your mistakes? Yeah. Does anyone show you how? Do they give you a process of how? Very few. So that's one of the things that I've developed that makes me unique, not just as a coach for men, which I do very rarely anymore. Unless you have a ton of bucks, if you want to throw high five figures my way, I'll coach you and I'll get you where you want to go. I'll tell you how to contact me after this. But 
unless you have that way of learning from your mistakes, you're going to constantly be falling back into them. And then you have that internal struggle, the new way of thinking, the new behaviors you're trying to program in, and then obsessing on your mistakes over and over and over and over again. And here's the universal law of the mind, two of them. The mind can't tell the difference between what you obsess upon, what you review, and what you're programming it back in to do. So if you dwell on a mistake a hundred times, the brain says, oh, they're programming in a hundred times to make that mistake. And when you go back into life in that same context, the brain's going to choose what has the most repetition, familiarity, momentum. And which one does, the positive thinking or the old stuff you've dwelt on a thousand times? And so this is what makes change so exhausting. If, as you're listening to this, you've ever experienced a change feels exhausting, this is the how, not the why. I don't give a flying bubbly squirrel fart is the why. I look at process. What is This is NLP. NLP doesn't ask why. NLP looks at process. I want to know what is the deep underlying structure beneath the surface that keeps people stuck, that causes internal conflict. And it's not because you are a thing called a self-sabotager or you lack some mysterious fluid called self-esteem. I have low self-esteem. Well, I have low oil in my car. I'm going to go have someone put in four quarts. It's not about that. It's about having a crappy learning strategy. I mean, does that make sense, or am I just ranting? No, it does make sense. But uh, and I mean, it, it sounds so so easy because you're a master at this. So 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 take let's take it back to someone listening at this right now that are, you know, they want to have a good life, they want to create a great business, they want to be attractive in and know how to talk to women and, and just create that successful life for themselves. Where do they start? I think they have to start with an understanding of the basic idea that there's no such thing as attraction. There's no such thing as success. There's no such thing as confidence. These are not things. I'm playing linguistics, but linguistics is powerful. They're not things. They're processes and practices. If we think of confidence as a quantity of something like porridge that's doled out in an orphanage, and you have to put your plate out to life and say, please, sir, I want some more. And we're fucked. Can I say fucked? Yeah. We're, we're, we're fucked from the very so. we'll beginning. We'll see if Facebook bans us. <laughs> okay. We're fucked from the very beginning. Yeah. So, again, looking at the power of language to either free our world or freeze it yeah. to create stumbling blocks or to create stepping stones. Knowing the power of language and its transformational power to keep us stuck or move us ahead is extremely powerful. That's first and foremost. And I recommend my book, so words that sell. But also get a mentor. Someone once told me, I have several mentors and coaches, and one of them said, hey, a mentor is someone who's paid your idiot tax. I've made all the mistakes that you've yet to make. I can take your feet and help you avoid stepping on the landmines and set them on the path. There's a lot of young people watching and listening to this that are, you know, they have big dreams in sports, in entrepreneurism, and you know, all of all of different areas that might go through similar thoughts and mindsets that you you had when you were young. You're like exploding, but on the inside, you have all this pressure on yourself. Like, if you could redo it or talk to yourself to the 21 year old Tony, like, what would you say? Um, I, I would, you know, the, I would really, 
So like, I don't regret any of it because yeah. it forced me to become who I am today, which gotcha. I'm, I like myself who I am today. And I have a lot more work to do on who I am to get, to become a better human being. Um, and I've been working now 25 years to become better and, and it has happened and it's, and it is happening, but there's still a lot of work to do. Yeah. Like what all of us. Said to the, you know what I would have said to the 21 year old me or, or anybody yeah. is something that we touched on earlier, very briefly is to keep things very simple, any distraction. And you know what? We could have a listener that wants to be the next great physicist. And if distraction gets in your way of your goal, you have to stop. And that could be a boyfriend, a girlfriend. It could be going out and partying. It could be whatever you consider a distraction. If it's distracting you from your end game goal, it's a distraction. And that's, and the only person that can answer that question is the actual person. And they can say to themselves, is this helping me get to my goal or is this hurting me? Because if it's hurting me, it's a distraction. So, and you know, it's, there's a lot of sacrifice, as you know, there's a lot of sacrifice involved. People don't, people that make it don't, you know, an overnight success, there's no such thing. I mean, there's no such thing. Uh, yeah, overnight success after the 10 years of work that you didn't see the guy from Jeff Bezos doing in Amazon as a one computer shop, right, in his garage, or, you know, stories like that. Well, they don't talk about all those struggling years and all those years that they never made a penny as they were a public company until now everybody's like, well, Amazon's, you know, all this and all that, and they want to control the world and this. Well, you know what? Uh, part of that is our responsibility. If we don't want them to, we don't have to buy their stuff. Yeah. You know, so we have a choice too. If we're going to be like, well, we like the convenience and we feed into it, that's on us. But it really getting back to your original question is like, it really is. It's a not, it's a non-glamorous thing. It's really keep it simple. Stay focused. It's things that everybody has already heard and everybody already knows. It's staying focused, keeping that laser focus, keeping your mindset right and removing, being able to recognize a distraction when there is a distraction and know how to handle it and then get back on course. Or prevent that distraction from happening before it happens if you can start to see it coming and get back on course. And and then, you know, and the other thing is to you have to you have to do the action, you have to work, you have to do those things. Doesn't matter if it's study, run, weightlift, whatever the sport, whatever the the end game is of the goal for the person to be one of the greatest entrepreneurs of something. You have to put in the work and there's so many great self-help books. There's so many great books. Your book is great. Like I love your book because I definitely like, it's definitely in my stream of how I did it. Right. It, It fits in perfectly. And there's so many books that are great books. And then there's a lot of BS books, but there's a lot of great books And they all share one thing in common, even though they're done different ways, that at the end of the book, you have to do the work that they talked about in the book, because you can read it 10 times, but if you don't put it into action, it doesn't matter. And that, you know, whether it's fear, whether it's, 
you know, perf- trying to be perfect. You're never going to be perfect at everything. So, but a lot of times the trying to be a perfectionist will keep you paralyzed from even starting because you don't want to make a mistake. Well, you know, it's like I'm launching a podcast next week. Uh, I've been kind of mulling it over for a couple of years. So in the last two months, I started getting podcasts done. And so we're launching next week. Well, I want it to be perfect. Yeah. And it's it's a two-week delay. It should have been launched two weeks ago, but I want it to be perfect. And that's the only thing that's been holding it back. Yeah. And over the weekend, I finally had the realization of, hey, you know, when you first stepped on the football field, you got your butt beat a lot, you know, and, and you weren't perfect. And you were never perfect. You you rose to a level of playing very well. So it's the same with anything in life. I mean, I'm not going to be this great podcaster that I want to be. And I'm not going to. It's like, you know what? Just be myself. Yeah. Just be myself and do what the podcast was intended to do for the subject matter and just be yourself. And then just like watching film of football games the next day, if you want to listen to it again, reanalyze it, see what you could have done better do it. The next podcast. That, that is so great. I mean, this whole self-worth thing is, I think it's so many people out there that they are connected like if I'm good and I I knew this as an athlete for many years you know in the beginning when I won I was worthy right and and then I kind of realized you know I'm still worthy because the people that are applauding me and saying hey Peter you're great and when then when I lose they're not even there they don't really care about me I need to start caring about myself but I learned that through you know through losing in front of a lot of people and how how do how do we like for people do you have to learn by pain or can you learn other ways as well? You don't have to, but I find that most people do. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, going back to just what are the physics of being a human? One of them is that pain lights up areas in the brain that have to do with focus and memory. So you're more likely to focus on something that went poorly, that you felt badly about. You know, I think a lot of times people um, think that negative emotions are meant to be done away with, but they're really not. Negative emotions, they have a purpose, right? Or evolution would have gotten rid of them. So if you know that that pain is a purpose and that purpose is focus and memory, then it's like, well, let me focus on this thing that went wrong. The key though is in that moment, you have to be honest with yourself about what went wrong. If you try to blame other people, which is what I see happening in society now, it's like, man, you want to talk about something I've, I've said for years, not, not in this term, but basically pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And dude, I, that's exactly what I did in my own life. I stopped whining. I stopped telling myself that I was stupid and I just started working harder and my life turned around. It was like, oh shit, this actually works. And so holding myself to a high standard, pulling myself up by my bootstraps, it worked. And so I thought, oh, I just need to tell other people this. They're going to love it. They're going to be so excited to hear this from me. Um, and I did it. And now like the world has flipped and it's like, miss me with that. Pick yourself up by your bootstrap shit. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, this is the reality of how the world works. This is physics, man. There's nothing below this. This isn't an opinion. This, this is the nature of improvement. So I'm like, what are you talking about? It, it, fighting is such the perfect example. It's like, dude, you can tell somebody people should, should be impressed with your skill set the way that it is. And you shouldn't have to go train that hard. Like th- this is the advice people give. You shouldn't have to work that hard to achieve or be successful. And dude, if people told that to a fighter 
And then they go in the ring with somebody who's grinding it the fuck out every day, holds themselves to a crazy standard, pushes themselves hard. They walk in that ring, dude, they, they are going to get permanently injured. And that is the same advice we're now giving people that are stepping into the world, safe spaces, trigger warnings and shit like that. I'm like, are you out of your mind? That is making you soft and weak. Instead say, yo, the world is going to come at you with some crazy good arguments and you better know how to like defeat those arguments or be willing to learn from that person, adopt that new knowledge, always be open-minded, what I call um, strong convictions loosely held. I got that from somebody else. I don't remember who. I didn't think of it, but it's the right idea. And it's like, you believe in something, you have the, you know, the certainty to move forward, but you're always open to something new. That is what we should be teaching people because life is a fight, whether we want it to be or not. And if you go into that fight unprepared, you're going to get your ass handed to you. And so I just do not understand people that are approaching the world in a way that where you want to divorce yourself from the truth of the human condition. It's just crazy to me. Yeah. And I mean, it goes back to what, what, what we talked about in the beginning. My life is an exact reflection of my own choices. And when you really fucking embed that, I, I started doing that a couple of years ago. And I mean, before, sometimes when I competed, you know, the, the tatami where you compete, there were slippery the referees were not on my side and like a whole bunch of bullshit. But once you start taking, you know, accountability for fucking everything, it's, it's pretty amazing. Can we just talk about that? Because I know people will say, oh yeah, I mean, I can take accountability for most stuff, but you know, I can't do it for everything or, you know, this is not really my fault, you know, that I grew up here or, or whatever it might be. Yeah. So I'll introduce people to a phrase and now what? So cool. It's not your fault that you grew up where you grew up. It's actually true. It's not your fault that you had shitty parents. Um, that's true. The most sinister thing about excuses is that they are valid. But now what? But now what? But uh, it's like going into fighting. Okay. Hey, maybe you're um, too short. Maybe you don't have as much fast twitch muscle fiber as the next person. Maybe your parents weren't championship fighters. Uh, maybe they, um, you know, they smoked while they were pregnant. Uh, who the fuck knows? Like you were born, you didn't uh, get to decide what those circumstances are. But now what? I mean, really, now what? Like, do you want to be a championship fighter or not? So it's like, if you want to be a championship fighter, then the things you're going to have to do are, are pre-mandated. It's like, once you decide, I think this Russell Wilson said this, either Russell Wilson um, or, oh God, I'm blanking on his trainer's name. Anyway, um, Paul Malwad, I believe. They you get to a point where your goal is going to make demands on you because there are, there are just physics to be encountered, right? So um, if you want to be the greatest fighter in your weight class, then you actually have to be able to win in a fight against the other fighters in your weight class. It's like, and they're going to be out training. So you actually have to be better. So it's like your skill set has to be superior to their skill set. And that just is what it is. And so, yeah, I, I don't understand. Um, no, I do understand. Here's why people make excuses. There is a thing called the psychological immune system. The psychological immune system has a job, and that job is to make sure that you don't get crushed by, crushed by depression, so that you don't think so little of yourself that you can't get out of bed. Cool. I'm glad that it exists. The problem is that when you overuse that, then you make everything somebody else's fault. You don't take the responsibility on yourself, and when you don't take the responsibility on yourself, you give up control. So if you say, well, I'll never be a championship fighter because I'm too short. I don't have enough fast twitch fiber. I didn't have the right parents. I don't have enough money. Then what happens? You don't become a championship fighter. But 
so often we see people overcome the most absurd obstacles. There was a guy um, named Muggsy Bogues who played in the NBA. There was another guy named Spud Webb. One of them was five, I can't remember who was shorter, but one of them was five, seven, and the other was five, three. Okay. And they played in the NBA where the average height is like six, six. So they, they had every right to make excuses and say, I'll never play in the NBA, right? Nobody would have gone, oh no, of course you can. In fact, I'm sure the number of people that told them it will never happen for you was overwhelming. But if you don't do the things that you need to do to win, you won't win, right? That, that is self-evident on its face. So even though your excuses are valid, if you make them, you will not achieve your goals. So don't make them and see how far you can go. The hard thing that I, you know, what I'm really trying to do is I know there's someone out there listening to this show right now that are, you know, they have all these dreams like you had once upon a time and still have, but they're stuck. You know, they're stuck in a job. Maybe they're alone. They they feel they don't have that energy that you're talking about to take the next step. Where do you start? Uh, if you don't know where to start and just know that you got to change something in your life? Well, there, there's two ways to go about it. One of them is just hit rock bottom. <laughs> We're like, I am so miserable, I don't know what to do. In fact, this is where a lot of people end up going on a personal development path. They're like, I just got divorced. I just lost all my money. Uh, by the way, I've done both of those. Um, I I just you know got really, really sick Um I, I lost a loved one. I got into a severe depression or, or whatever the thing is. And you're, you're just like, anything I do from here is better. That is not the preferred way of doing it. But sometimes that's what it takes to make you just finally get up and do it. Uh, the other thing you can do is you can actually say, I'm going to commit to a process of personal development. Right? And then you say, all right, what's within my financial means? What's within my time means? And who around will teach me? Because it just happens that there are lots of people who've gone down this path before you. In fact, there are people who've done it for thousands of years and written it down. And you can start doing yoga. You can start doing breathing exercises. And I've written about breathing, um, geez, since my very first book, um, The Art of Living Exercises, uh, Pranayama. So in other words, just pick one. Right and sure, do some neurofeedback. Do the some of the biohacking stuff. Monitor your sleep. Say this mindset that is a core part of the bulletproof lifestyle. It's like I'm going to do something to make myself better every day. It doesn't mean you have to go do 15 pull-ups or you know go run a marathon every day. One simple thing, and it can be really simple. I read three pages of a book on meditation or a book on you know stoicism or whatever you wanted to do. You just have to check that box. And that's the same mindset that the Navy SEALs have, you know, be a little bit better. So instead of committing to a specific goal, so then it's binary, oh, I'm going to fail. I'm never going to eat a carb again, by the way, that's a stupid goal. But if you, you get into that, then you're going to fail and then you're going to fail and eat the entire cake. But if your goal is I'm going to commit to a process that I follow every day that allows for some deviations, but I'm still in the process. Fine, you ate some cake today. You did something else. You meditated for 20 minutes. So I checked the box of doing something to make myself better every day, even if I screwed up on something else. And that is is something you can get behind. Um, The easiest thing, depending on your age as well, is probably to focus on what's your life's purpose. (laughs) And uh, we have ways of doing that. So for people who don't know their life's purpose, it's very common when you're young to find someone who's doing something cool and say, I'll do what that person's doing. And you can join a team, right? And you can follow the leader of the team on doing that. And that's a really healthy way 
uh, to figure out how to move in a certain direction. But the odds are you're going to feel like that's your life's purpose, but it may not be your life's purpose. So borrowing someone else's life's purpose is a bad idea. It's got to be your life purpose. So learn from others, ask for help, ask for mentorship, but then commit to time journaling, time alone. And what we used to do is we'd say, hey, son, you're 12 or 13. Guess what? We're going to drop you off in the middle of nowhere with a knife and a loincloth. And if you're lucky, a little flint, um, when you know your life's purpose is, come back. And we have a vision, come back. Uh, and I've done the vision quest in a cave all by myself in the desert for four days and stuff like that. Uh, and it can be really valuable. But if you're not spending time with just yourself, going really deep on journeying, breathing, meditating, um, neurofeedback will definitely do that for you. Uh, at least the altered states kind of neurofeedback. Uh, or talking with people who know your elders from whatever tradition you come from. There's a reason we have rabbis and priests and shamans and really spiritual advanced energy worker therapists and people like that, they're all over the place. They'll help you tune in on what it is. And it doesn't have to be necessarily what you love, but like, why do you think you're here? And once you get that, you can then spread your wings and it becomes one of those things instead of running away from fear, you're like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And when you do what you're supposed to be doing, it is effortless. It doesn't feel like work. It doesn't take very much energy. It's like there's something pushing you in that direction instead of you pushing against something. And that's where to get started. Know why you're here and what you what you want to be doing. Yeah, I know. I love that. And I, I think that's, it's great. There's, but there's so many people that don't find that purpose. You know, they keep searching and searching. And what do you want to say to those people that are like, yeah, this all sounds great. And I, I'm so happy that you have a purpose, but I don't know what the fuck to do. All right. <laughs> What's going on there is you have a lot of distractions in your head. Right, So you actually do know your purpose. It's everyone knows at some level, you just have to stop the noise enough to hear it. And so stop going to X hamster, uh, especially for guys, that would be a, a good thing. And if you don't know what X hamster is, good for you, don't go there. And uh, by the way, I'm just saying, don't use porn if you didn't get the joke. Um, <laughs> So start you know, saving your energy. And I just did a couple of really powerful interviews on Bulletproof Radio on my Instagram page, just on Dave.Asprey, little outtakes from John Gray, the Mars and Venus guy, who's a monk for nine years who talked about that. And Montauk Chia, the world's uh, Qigong master, like one of the most advanced guys alive, um, who both talk about the, the amount of energy that we put into that third F word, <laughs> the fertility one, all right? And then I'll just tell you, if you have a voice in your head telling you, what's for lunch? What's for lunch? I'm so hungry. I'm so hungry. Dude, you're eating wrong. Like stop eating the vegetables that piss your body off. Don't eat vegetable oil. Don't eat fried stuff. Grains are probably not good for you. Uh, and things like that. Just go to the Bulletproof Diet. I, you can get the book. It's in paperback and Audible and all that. Or get the Bulletproof Diet Roadmap, which tells you exactly what, you, uh, what you'd want to eat. So these proteins make you full. These ones make you hungry. They're all proteins and there's nothing good or bad about plant or animal-based proteins. It's a question of which plant protein or which animal protein. So I'd tell you how to eat. You do that, suddenly you eat and you're not hungry for four hours. You don't think about food. Someone puts food in front of you, you don't start thinking about it. You just don't care because you're satisfied. That matters hugely. So now you realize, okay, I stopped worrying about food right? <laughs> and I stopped thinking about porn and naked people all the time. Now all I've got left is what am I afraid of? And you start nibbling away at the things you're afraid of and you can do it by going to the edge of a building and looking over. If you want to do exposure therapy, I used to do that. I'm not afraid of heights anymore, right? You can also 
face your fears. Afraid of speaking in public? I have no idea what I said the first time I gave a talk to a thousand people because I was about to shit myself. But magically, I survived and people applauded at the end. So I must have said something good. And I said, I'm not good at this. I became a teacher for five years and I taught five nights a week at the University of California until I can be in front of any audience and I'm super happy to be there. Right? So you can overcome them and you can also figure out where they come from and you can do work. You can do EMDR, which is a form of therapy that lets you go through if you know you were bullied, if you know you have sexual abuse, if you know that your parents were bastards, <laughs> whatever, whatever the, the story in your head is, some of which is going to be true, some of which is your own story that's not even real. Um, you can go in and surgically edit your responsiveness to what's going on with techniques like that and even just breathing techniques. And what you're going to find is you just cleared out 90% of the noise and you can sit there and be like, you know what? I feel called to do this. This is why I am here. But to hear that message when you're swimming in, oh my God, what's for lunch? What am I afraid of? And is she naked? Dude, how would anyone do that? I think we all, in order to feel you know, content and happy with ourselves, we need to push ourselves in, into something. Even if it's being the best mom I can be or like yes. uh, trying, trying the best in your li little world or big world, whatever you, you mm. want to do. Like, I, I don't care. Like for me, a goal, the happiest man I know is my grandfather and he had two cows and that's the happiest man ever. Okay. Like, I've met people <laughs> that have won everything and I, and yes. has, and are, so, so, so it's not about that, but in his world, he did the best he could and he was mm. content and had peace of mind. And I think we all need to, in order to have peace of mind, some somewhere along the lines, you, you need to like get out of that comfort zone and push yourself into something, right? Mm -hmm. And having like a, a higher standard for yourself. I love that I spend a lot of time in Japan and the way they do things, their attention to quality, the attention to detail how deliberate they are, whatever it is they do. It was impressive. I was at this mall and because it's so crowded, like Japan, there's so many people and they need to be cleaning those bathrooms very often. And then I see that they're going to come to clean the bathroom and it's like a team, like a SWAT team. They're lining up, ready to clean those bathrooms. And then they put a ribbon. It's like, I'm sorry, the bathroom is going to be closed for the next two minutes or whatever it is. And they come in and you see them scrubbing those those toilets and everything, I've never seen anything like it. It's like, wow, that's taking pride in whatever you do. It's like putting that amount of quality and you see it from everyone. Like you see a cashier at a, at a restaurant and they look like a professional cashier. It looked like they went to university for four years to work as a cashier. It's impressive. Like the pride they take on anything they do because for them is how good, how well you do the things you're doing and not necessarily what you're doing. If you're cleaning streets, if you're sweeping streets and you're doing it with that level of quality, that makes you honorable. And that's what the whole society is based on, how well you do your job. It doesn't matter what job it is. And I think that's what brings a lot of satisfaction when you hold yourself to higher standards, even if no one notices. I saw some guy, I, I, when I live in Japan, I woke up very early, it's like around 4 a.m. or so. I'm walking to the gym and I see this store owner the store won't open for, for a couple of hours more. And he's cleaning the street in front of his shop. And then he's vacuuming the sidewalk in front of his shop. I'm like, wow. Maybe most people won't realize it, but it's there. So is, is that idea that you're doing it for yourself 
that quality that makes you satisfied with who you are and what you do, even if no one else notices it. So there is this famous story about Steve Jobs that wanted to have the interior of the Apple computer to look gorgeous, even if no one was going to see it. And the story is always told like, oh, wow, he was so attentive to this. So like, that's the whole Japanese culture. <laughs> everything they do is exactly like that. You buy something and the way they package it, everything is that same attitude. It's like everything has to be on point. There's always has to be quality. And I try to apply a lot of that in my life. Like I'm trying to absorb that from Japanese culture because we get used to that idea of just getting things done. And for some aspects of our lives, yes, it's fine because you don't want to spend a lot of hours maybe just crafting a simple email that you needed to respond yes to. And then you overthink it. But on the things that matter to you, you should be that attentive to detail. Everything, everything should be careful. Not going too deep into talking about the book, but there is this quote from Michelangelo that starts in the book. And like I read that quote at one point and I thought this is, this is exactly what I want to include in the introduction. So then I was like, okay, I want to see like what is the context of, of this thing. And I read Michelangelo's biography. Like, oh, that's uh, not enough. Then I took on this lecture. It was like 14-hour lecture on Michelangelo. And then I contacted the professor that wrote the biography and that made the lecture and he's like the the biggest expert on michelangelo i consider like the highest expert in michelangelo to have a conversation with him about the quote and things like that's a simple quote that's it that's all i talk about michelangelo in the book but it's like it needed to be on point that to me mattered and it was the idea of i know that most people will never notice those things if i weren't saying them right now like no one would know about the story. But it's that I, I know, I know. And I know it's there for that reason. So it's living under those quality standards for yourself. I think that's very gratifying. It's gratifying to me. And that's when you kind of detach from, hey, is the book so su- successful or not? Are people going to admire it or not? That's beyond the point. Yeah. The satisfaction came from the process and from holding yourself to a higher standard. I love that. And I think that's the way of, you know, being a, a we call it bushi, like a warrior mm-hmm. in, in, in Japanese philosophy and, 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 and also in life in general, you know, the other day I was, I was exhausted. I was laying down, I was about to fall asleep, I had a lot of things going on with different types of people, different uh, transactions and deals and things like that. And one thing that made me proud of myself was like, Hey, I did the right thing. Mm-hmm. I did I did what I think thought was right and I didn't I didn't cheat on anybody and I didn't step on anybody's toes just to make myself look better and was it the best decision financially for me? Maybe not. Mm-hmm. But giving me the peace of mind and and knowing long term this is how who I am and how I show up in life that's that's more rewarding than anything, right? Yes. Yes, I agree. So Nick, uh, we're almost almost out of time. I, I think oh, I feel wow. like that went fast. I know. I feel like <laughs> that went really fast. So long, you know, we're having so much fun and I want to learn more about what you did in Japan and all of that. So yes. I, I guess we have to, we have to connect uh, again. Oh, for sure. Uh, but like, I want to, We're all about sharing stories, but at the end of the day, I want the people listening to this podcast to take action. 
So what would be the first step for them after this show to, to kind of get started on their dreams? Hmm. Let me think. One of the things that hold a lot of people back, and this is usually this usually happens in learning skills, is believing a lot of misconceptions. Things like I'm too old for this, or I don't have the talent to do it. So um, I do talk a lot of, about those myths and how they're they're not real. Um, we have proof that they're not real. So going beyond those things and understanding that you are capable of learning whatever you want to learn. That's the greatest power of the human mind, learning. We're all made to learn. We were built to learn. And all skills that exist can be learned. And no skill can resist the relentless attack of delivery practice. If you put in the work, if you put in the effort, you will get better. Yeah. It's inevitable. You will. And then the other part, and this is probably the most important and is as true for life as it is for learning anything, is the willingness to fail, the willingness to make mistakes. So um, I see this often in learning languages. It's where I see it the most often because you there's something so personal about learning a language. You don't want to look foolish. You don't want to make mistakes about uh, in front of native speakers. And I notice that the people that go out and are willing to make those mistakes to fail, those are the ones that learn it faster. Those are the ones that eventually learn the language and they do it way faster than everyone else. And I fall on the first category on the one that's too shy to try the language. And so it usually takes me way longer. And the important thing that I, I want to mention here is that I'm not advocating failure. It's not failing for the sake of failing. I'm advocating courage. It's the idea of going out there and knowing that you will have to make mistakes to get better at anything. That's the process. We all make mistakes. It's hard to remember that Mozart probably made a ton of mistakes learning his scales and Shakespeare learning to write. We forget those things, but everyone had to go through the same process. Yes, some move faster than others, but we all have to go through the same process. No one skips it. There's no exception ever. No one has been born with a skill already in their mind. They all had to learn it and make tons of mistakes along the way. So courage, that's the important one. Living with courage and learning with courage.